it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Guy is out today traveling around the country. And if you are a guy or a gal that listens to Guy, then you know he was in Chicago yesterday. I do want to update you. He did get out of Chicago safe. So we do know that Guy is okay. And I want to thank Guy. My name is Scott Reinhold. They call me Rhino. I'm from Extra 106.3 in Atlanta. I'm broadcasting live from Atlanta today. And I want to give a special thanks to Guy Benson, my friend. Well, at least I say he's my friend. Uh, He doesn't probably think that way, but I hope he would. And I want to thank, more importantly, the people who have made this station great. Guy, great. That's Christine, Dan, and Wyatt. They have made this so easy for me. And if you ever need to go and listen to the show, GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, at Guy P. Benson on Twitter, and The Guy Benson Show and Twitter as well. We have a great show planned for you today. The Honorable Congressman from Texas, Representative Pat Fallon, is going to join us to talk about the border and the Lone Star Reimbursement Act legislation he introduced yesterday. We'll also talk about the fentanyl crisis we are facing in this country. It is a serious crisis that we need to talk about. My goal is also to make you laugh. And if I can't do it, Jimmy Fallon will join us, and he will make you laugh as well. And the host of Fox Nation Outdoors and retired Marine Joey Jones will join us to talk about a watchdog report On our withdrawal out of Afghanistan, the governor of the great state of Georgia, Brian Kemp, will join me and check in with us as well. And New York Post columnist Miranda Devine will update us on the FBI's political bias. But first, who is Scott Rhino? I know a lot of people have heard me on the show before because Guy has been nice enough to call me, especially when things are going on in Atlanta. And one of the things about Atlanta is we have become the political hotspot and a lot of us always wondered like why does nobody include georgia when we get into these big national races whether it is a presidential race a senate race and we always wanted to be a part of it now all of a sudden we're all like oh we should never have asked for that but i'll tell you what i am one of those people i am just like you the people And I love this country and everyone legally here that want to make a better life for themselves and their families. I am a very conservative person. I'm originally from New York, and now I am a mountain man. I actually live in the Appalachian Mountains, so you'll have to bear with me. I've been up since 2 o'clock this morning because I come in and I do a show here in Atlanta on Extra 106.3, and we are the only conservative news talk station. We have some great—I mean, we have one of the best lineups. We have Guy Benson from 3 to 6, obviously. We also have Jimmy Fallon. We also have uh, Jesse Kelly. So we have a great conservative lineup throughout the entire day. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton also on our station. We are very conservative. And I have become so conservative that I am actually an Appalachian mountain man. And I live in the North Georgia mountains. That's why I get up so early. And I drive two hours, two hours every day because 
I am that passionate about this country, and I'm also passionate about getting the truth out there because it is so important to me. But I also have a lot of fun, and I love where I live. So after the show, I drive two hours home again, and I've become that mountain man. I literally till my land, then I will usually cut some trees down, and I'll even grab an axe and split the wood, and I love to light big fires. And when I light my fires, I'm talking about 100-foot trees that we cut in half to 50 foot and build a bonfire like you've never seen before. And it's something I can only do there in the North Georgia mountains. I also chase bears. I have so many bears. We have to chase them off ladders because they literally steal my bird feeders. And the people who listen to me in Atlanta, they have heard these stories, but I'm going to share some later with you today when we get to the home stretch because you won't believe some of the stories I've pulled about bears. And I call it bear with me. That's what we're going to call that in the home stretch. And even Christine, Christine actually told me that she has a way to fight off a bear if ever chased by one. So I can't wait to hear how that goes. And I also, uh, I, I just like to build things, build retaining walls. I work so hard. I really do. And I just need to keep busy because, look, I, I grew the beard. I have a big beard. I wear overalls most of the time. I just love them. I really fit in in the mountains. Like the whole New York thing is gone. And Christine, you and I were talking and you're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> how do you get from New York to where you are now? And you were so shocked at the fact that we don't really have any places close to me that I can go to, like a Walmart or a Target or any of those stores. And I, I am perfectly happy with that. I do drive 45 minutes if I have to go to Walmart. I do drive 45 minutes if I have to go to the Home Depot. Now, I am very conservative, and I am also very realistic, though. And that's what I love about what Guy Benson says about himself is that he is a unconventional conservative, and I feel that way too. Because I truly believe in the fact that we need to do what's best for this country. And I believe in America first. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean every time Trump speaks, I'm like, oh, yup, 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 yup. Because I think that's a problem. Because I've been one of those people who has always said the left is full of sheep. Full of people who just will reiterate or not have an opinion of their own. See, when I think of America first, and if Donald Trump told me America first, then I even put America in front of Donald Trump. Because if I were to listen to everything Donald Trump says, if I were to listen to everything that he told me and then just reiterated that or regurgitated it, then I too am a sheep. So I think it's important to have a mind of your own. And that's what that means to me. And conservatism, and the reason I live in the mountains is there's no zoning. I can do whatever I want with my land. I can grab my gun. And that's one of the things that I love more than anything else is to be able to protect myself. I am a strong supporter of the most important amendment we have, the Second Amendment. Because I realize that... When this country was writing a constitution, and I want you to remember, well, I guess you can't remember, you're not that old, but I want you to think about what the framers did. They did something that no other country has ever done, something that people looked at and said, wait, hold on, you're going to give us the power, we, the people, we're going to have the freedom to think, the freedom to live, 
and the freedom to speak free about the government. And the only way, the true only way that we can protect that right is to have the right to bear arms. So that's really important to me. And that makes sure the Constitution is very important to me. And I think it's very important to the entire country. And when I look around to see what's going on in this world, it scares me sometimes because I see the Constitution being ripped up, being taken away from us in weird ways. And we're going to talk a lot about that today because we got to see Senator Lindsey Graham grill Attorney General Merrick Garland. And one of the things that we talked about was the weaponization of the FBI. Literally, we have seen the FBI weaponized against the people of America. We, the people, the ones that are supposed to have the power, the ones that are supposed to have the freedom to think. That scares me. But it also scares me when somebody on our side, who I think is on our side, talks about violence or anything they say that or accuse us of being, right? We are extremists, MAGA extremists. It doesn't matter. You could be a Mitch McConnell and sit and tell people, well, you know, we love Ukraine. You could be that guy and you're still a MAGA extremist in their mind. That's not who we are. We are people who care about this country. And the funny part is, like I said, I care about every single person that lives in this country. It doesn't matter the color of their skin, doesn't matter their sexuality, doesn't matter to me anything about that person except for the fact that they legally live in the United States. I don't want any rights taken away from them. So it's easy to sit there and do what the left does all the time, which is to just kind of gaslight, right? They gaslight us. Every time you say something, look at poor John Stewart. Here's a guy who is pretty sensible as a Democrat sometimes, not all the time, but can you really argue with him about burn pits? Eh, probably not. The other day, and we're going to probably play this cut later in the show, he was talking about the lab leak theory. Now, I'll be honest, this is something I have been talking about since 2019 and early 2020. Because I looked into this as soon as I heard about somebody in China bit the head off a bat, and now we have some kind of pandemic that could come across the ocean. And I continued to listen and look, and Jon Stewart summed it up best. If there's a place called the Wuhan Institute of Virology or the Wuhan Coronavirus Lab, and all of a sudden there's an outbreak there— Yeah, it's not too hard to link the two. I mean, that's sensible. That's a sensible Democrat. And then what does the left do? They turn around. They say, wait a minute. Jon Stewart said that? Well, he's a racist. (laughs) Hold on. That was your hero. He's always your hero. But there is those Bill Maher's. There are the, the Jon Stewart's out there. Where have they gone? So that scares me a lot because I feel pretty sensible. I don't feel like I'm on the wrong side of things sometimes, especially when I say, hey, look, I think everybody has a right to life. 
Now there's a part of me that kind of sits back, especially if you're married or, you know, if you're in uh, a relationship with somebody who like a house divided and there's a woman on the other side and you have a discussion about these kind of things, you have to listen and you have to let them form their own opinion. And I'm okay with their opinion. See, I can do that. I can say, okay, I understand yours. But let me tell you why I feel the way I do. And then when I explain the way I do, I get attacked, right? You hate women. You're misogynistic. You're a racist. What does this have to do with any of that? I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it. And I know a lot of you are too. Because you're afraid to talk. And that's where I think we need to make a change. And I hope we do. I hope we get to that point where we can finally sit and say, hey, enough's enough. Stop with the gaslighting. You know I'm not racist. You know I'm not misogynistic. You, not, you know I'm not homophobic. It doesn't make me homophobic for saying, look, I just don't think a drag show is appropriate in a high school or a middle school or even worse, an elementary school. Ah, like Ron DeSantis. I'm with him. I'm with him. I don't think it's okay for a school trip because I used to have to literally get a permission slip when I was in school and I went to school in New York. I had to get a permission, which obviously is very liberal, to go to the museum. My mom would have to sign a permission slip. Can you imagine when you were younger if your teacher said, hey, get this permission slip signed. We're going to a drag show club. A bar. Now, it's not open, you know, for a bar. It's only open for us, and they're going to have lunch and blah, blah. It makes no sense. That's too much. That's too much. There is a line that we do cross. I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm coming in here and I'm going to go all Trump, because I don't. I love Ron DeSantis. I'm a huge Ron DeSantis fan. I think Ron DeSantis said the best thing the other day when he said, make America Florida. I love everything he's done. And I'm excited to talk to my own governor, Governor Brian Kemp, because although he's quiet, he's the guy that you can sit back and say, hey, he's conservative. He fought Donald Trump, yes, but he's conservative. All right, coming up, how do you keep your kids safe from the fentanyl crisis in America? I love my son, and I want to make sure that we stay safe. I'm Scott Rhino, and this is The Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. The Fox News Rundown. A contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. I am Scott Reinhold, or you can call me Rhino from Extra 106.3 in Atlanta. Guy Benson was nice enough to let me fill in for him. And I'm so excited about having this opportunity to talk to you today. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at Rhino, R-H-I-N-O at or I'm sorry, at Rhino. See, this always confuses me. There are too many ats with the email and at Rhino, R-H-I-N-O-X-T-R-A-1063. I'd love for you to follow me as well. We were talking about fentanyl and uh, what this is going on right now, the crisis in America. And I told you there's one thing I care about more than anything else as a conservative. 
and it's that we are protected and we are all safe within these borders. And that's the job of the president of the United States. But I want to play some cuts because I'm a father. I have a 12-year-old, and this absolutely scares me to think about what's happening with fentanyl. And I want to play a cut from Rebecca Kiesling, a mother who lost two children who were not protected, who literally blames Joe Biden. Cut nine. Well, I was hoping that there would be some change, that we, we need to cut it off at the source, at the border. We need to have border control. We don't. And I, it was really disheartening to see the Democrats um, saying that there's fear-mongering going on. Like, really? Over 110,000 are dying every year now, drug deaths, in America. You know, I'm fear-mongering? We have reason to be afraid. We're on board. Do something. And And— you know, they're they're using a false narrative that 91% are coming through, you know, um, ports, uh, like points of entry, when they, they don't want to face the fact that they're coming over our open borders and that the policies are causing this problem. Right. We've had 22% increase in fentanyl deaths between 2020 and 2021 since Biden right. um, opened the borders. I don't think she's wrong. I really don't think she's wrong for blaming Biden on this. It wasn't Trump who didn't want to close the border. It's the Democrats who do. And this is going to be a big topic, and it already is. Senator Lindsey Graham grilled Attorney General Merrick Garland on Mexican cartels and the way that they exploit the southern border to traffic illegal drugs into the United States. And I want you to hear what the attorney general had to say, cut one. How would you describe the fentanyl problem in America? It's a horrible epidemic, okay. uh, but it's an epidemic that's been unleashed on purpose by the Sinaloa um, and the new generation Jalisco cartels. Okay. Let's just stop and absorb that for a moment. It's a horrible epidemic. It kills more people than car wrecks <clears throat> and gun violence combined. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? I think we have, we have more than enough um, ability now to uh, attack this problem. Well, would you agree with me? Whatever we have is not working. Well, I, Whatever I, we're doing is not working. I, I agree with that because of the number of deaths yeah, that you so, pointed out. So, so the, just keep an open mind that what we got on the books is not working. It's not working. It is not working. What are we going to do about it? We'll find out coming up after the break. The Honorable Congressman Pat Fallon will join me on The Guy Benson Show. I'm Scott Rhino. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. I am Scott Rhino. You can call me Rhino. I am from Extra 106.3 in Atlanta. We are literally the only conservative news and talk station in Atlanta. And finally, we have a voice that we can talk and we can actually not worry about somebody blocking us. So it's always great to have that because I've been blocked. 
on Twitter at Rhino, R-H-I-N-O, Extra 1063. That's X-T-R-A 1063. Follow me there. I don't like getting blocked. I don't like being taken down. I don't like being silenced at all. I'm really excited about bringing on our next guest because we were just talking about fentanyl and the overdoses that we're seeing all across the country and the crisis that's happening at our southern border. And I want to bring on the Honorable Congressman Pat Fallon to the program. Congressman, I started out doing radio in sports. And I know that you love to downplay your role at Notre Dame on the 1988 national championship team, but just playing for coach Lou Holtz, that had been a life changing moment. Oh, and I heard you do a pretty good impression as well. (laughs) Scott, how are you? Well, you know, I, I happen to be on the campus at Notre Dame right now where they're doing some really great advancements in hypersonic research. And I got to meet Marcus Freeman, the current coach, and he asked me about Lou Holtz as well today. And I said, I just said something about Marcus Freeman. Outstanding head coach. going to be better than I ever was. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, I know you have done some great things in Texas. I know you're doing some great things now. But when I was watching Senator Josh Hawley grill A.G. Garland, he was grilling him on anti-Catholic or anti-religious bias in the FBI. And I thought back to when you co-authored a bill in 2013, just allowing students and employees to say Merry Christmas. So I know that this isn't a new attack on religion for you or for us. So once again, we are having to defend religion and our beliefs. Well, yeah, our basic rights as Americans, you know, these, these, these rights have been granted to us by their, our creator, by the almighty God, not by a, another person. And the fact that they were written into the Constitution is one of the reasons why this is one of the greatest documents that the human hand has ever penned. But we need to remain ever vigilant because there are those that will encroach on it. I mean, who would have thought 10 years ago that there'd been a time where you were denied your right to worship? But we had that and for a year, in some states, two years. And they, they had an excuse. So the left will always have an excuse to curb your freedoms. And we have to hold their feet to the fire, stand up, and have the courage to say no. That we, we No more. We're going to draw a line in the sand, Scott, and say no more retreat, no more falling back. This is where we will hold our ground, and we will only hold our ground and move forward. Otherwise, we're going to lose the country. The first thing in the Communist Manifesto, they say, is to take religion out, take away belief, because that's the easiest way to get to that point. And when I heard A.G. Garland and his excuse that, well, the only reason we didn't really get into any kind of Christian crisis pregnancy center bombing or anything is because it was dark outside. That must have made you so upset, too. Oh, it's just they have a double standard. Listen, I, this, if the left didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards. At all, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, if you, if you if you sneeze when you walk past a Planned Parenthood clinic, they're going to have the FBI giving you a call. But you can have over criminal acts. But because they don't like your politics, they don't want to enforce the law. And that's, again, where we have to stand up. And I'm talking about when you see it, when your listeners see it at a school board level. When they see it at their city, you know, anything from the local level all the way up to the federal level, it takes far more than just elected officials. It takes patriotic uh, Americans to have that courage to say, I'm not going to stand for this uh, because this is a violation of my rights. And this is a betrayal, really, of our founding fathers. 
It really is. And one of the other things that the founding fathers made sure of is that the president has the authority to keep every American safe. And part of that would be protecting the border. And yesterday, you, along with other Texas representatives, introduced the Lone Star Reimbursement Act to reimburse the state for the $4.4 billion spent to stop the surge at the border. And Governor Abbott has had the, he's really used the state's resources to protect not just Texas, but the entire country. Talk about the tools you have had to use in Texas to not just protect Texas, but the entire country from this border crisis. Well, Texas shares a 1,254-mile border with Mexico. And I was in the state legislature for four terms. And we were spending, Scott, about a billion dollars in taxpayers, Texas taxpayer resources, to do what the federal government had abdicated on, the, on their responsibility, which is to do the best we could. Because crossing the border illegally is a federal crime. But if you cross the border and you trespass, the state can intercede. If you have uh, illegal narcotics on you, the state can intercede. Any other crime, the state can – and a lot of these folks are committing crimes when they cross the border other than – the federal crime of uh, illegal entry, because the drug cartels control the southern border. And that's what the left doesn't want you to know. They don't want you to know that uh, about four, about it, it costs about four grand to cross the border because the cartels carve up each. They each have parts. Um, they each have their own territories. And if you don't pay that four grand, and they find you find you without a bracelet, they could murder you on the spot. Or they'll say, you know what you're going to do? We're going to keep your child here, and you're going to cross the southern border until you see a fella. Uh, we'll tell you where and when, and you're going to give him the stack. And it's filled with fentanyl. And if that person gets caught, it's 15, 20 years that they're going to do. But they and they make about $25 billion a year on eagle narcotics smuggling, the, the drug cartels. How about another $12 billion with human smuggling? And if any American knew what was really going on, they would demand the border be secure. Do you think that's the reason that President Biden refuses to go to the border? Because he knows if I go to the border, the media will follow me anywhere. So I'm going to try to stay away from the border because I don't want the media besides Fox News, the ones that will not go there to actually cover what's really happening. 100 percent. There's no doubt. In fact, it's kind of sad, isn't it, that Joe Biden has visited the southern border exactly the same amount of times he's visited Ukraine once. <laughs> You know, and and that there's a reason for that. And Kamala Harris, who's been a disaster with everything she's touches in the last couple of years, um, is the borders are. She went once. She went to El Paso, and they clean up the sectors before these folks get there, so they're not seeing what's really going on. And for instance, just look at the tail of the tape, because some of these liberals will yell at me, you know, on social media. And, I, there was a problem with the border under President Trump. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, you know, and I think that's what liberals mostly talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's look at the tape. Over 100 folks have been caught sneaking into our country that were on the terrorist watch list. Um, this is all under Joe Biden. 5.8 million people have crossed the border when you count encounters and known gotaways. 160 countries are represented by folks that have crossed the border illegally in the last two years. 25,000 pounds of fentanyl has been seized, which is enough to kill every American man, woman, child 20, 30 times over. 108,000 deaths last year to opioid overdoses, 80,000 from fentanyl. Most of the fentanyl precursors come from China and then are put together in Mexico and ferried into our country. Joe Biden said in the State of the Union that he was he, he acts boldly when it comes to China. I almost vomited. Okay, that nothing can be further from the truth. He's met with Xi Jinping. He's never even brought up fentanyl. 
He's never even brought up our southern border. He's never even brought up with him his aggression toward Taiwan. That's not acting boldly. That's being meek. That's being seated position in the corner saying, Xi, please don't hurt me. Yeah, I mean, just the way the border is open right now, that's the number one signal that this country right now is vulnerable and weak. And I love that Senator Lindsey Graham pressed Garland on the fentanyl crisis and the opioid crisis because we're losing that battle at the border. And Garland said not only was the crisis unleashed on purpose, but that Mexico has to do more. But the Mexican government isn't going to do more to stop the trafficking of drugs. The Border Patrol agents in San Diego seized 232 pounds of fentanyl on Monday. So there's no way the Mexican government is going to step up and actually face off against these cartels. Yeah, here's a, something that scared the dickens out of me. When I was in the Texas Senate, I took a border tour with Steve McGraw, who is the department, basically our state troopers. He's the director of the state troopers. And I asked him, what percentage of the federales are corrupt? And I thought he was going to say something to the tune of 40%, a quarter, 50% maybe. He snickered, and he said – he looked at some of the other fellows, and he said, 98. All. So basically all. That's Mexican law enforcement. And that bleeds over. That corruption bleeds over because what we've been allowed – what Joe Biden has been allowed uh, – been allowing the Mexicans to do is export not only their poverty but a lot of their crime. And there's just so much money to be made. And again, if you're GDP, if you – the drug – Cartels have GDP of a small nation state, twenty-five billion plus the approximately twelve in the human smuggling they've been making lately. That's you know almost forty billion dollars a year. That's more than the GDPs of Estonia and Latvia, which are NATO allies and nation states. That's what we're talking about here. That's why we have to demand a secure border, or you know we're putting Americans' lives at risk. And if you're not safe, then you're not free. Yeah, you're not free. And this isn't the only problem we have is fentanyl. I mean, we're talking about gun trafficking. We're talking about cocaine that comes actually from Colombia. But the cartels, they get paid more because they're the ones who are able to get this across our border and into our country. 30 people running in 21 in Mexican government, officials, political officials, were murdered, assassinated. So I don't blame the Mexican government for being scared. They won't take on the cartels. The only answer is for us to actually take on the cartels and close that border. Yeah, there's no doubt. In fact, you know, it's kind of funny how Hollywood ignores certain things because these are tailor-made major motion pictures. Uh, for instance, in Mexico, if you're a journalist and you report on cartel activities, you're going to have the, the life expectancy of a fruit fly. You yeah. probably aren't going to live for the next 24 hours. But there are some that stand up and that are courageous, and there are that these are made tailor-made major motion pictures. They don't they don't make them because they don't want you to know what's really going on on the other side. You can't even report on this activity. 98% of law enforcement in this country is corrupt. There are states in Mexico, Estados Unidos de Mexico, right? The United States of Mexico. There are states where the federales won't even enter. That's, a, that's as if saying like the U.S. Marshals, the FBI, et cetera, won't even go into the state of Colorado. That, that's the equivalent of that because it's that bad. The Sinaloa cartel is very powerful. So we have to call it for what it is. And, and this is another thing. Remember, the left uses words. They weaponize things. Remember when folks used to be called the illegal alien? Oh, yeah. And then they said, well, they're not from outer space. So they were illegal immigrants, which is what they are. Then it changed to they were all undocumented workers. Yeah. And now 
If you notice, they're asylum seekers. Do they try to soften the language? Oh, absolutely. Either asylum seekers or migrants. And on Tuesday, we heard this heartbreaking testimony of Rebecca Kiesling, who lost both of her sons to fentanyl overdose, and they took what they thought were Percocet. So this is scary for me because I have a 12-year-old son, and I have to have this conversation with him because when these producers of that drug they create them. They either are to look exactly like some kind of prescription medicine or even more dangerous. They're made to look like candy. So now that we have this epidemic where children are dying, you would think the left would step up. When you see guns coming across the border, you think the left would be who is very against guns. They'd be the first one to do it. And like you said, you would think that the FBI would go down there because this is state lines. The drugs are crossing state lines. Everything's going but just like President Biden's house, the FBI is not going to go there. If it was Mar-a-Lago, yeah, they'd be there. But they're not doing anything right now to protect our children, to protect our border, or to protect America. You know, in World War II, other than the Civil War, the most violent uh, conflict we've been involved with, and we got off light comparatively to other countries, we lost 400,000 Americans, which is, doing the math, about 297 a day. That's how awful it was for almost four years. Well, last year, we lost 293 Americans a day to opioid overdoses. This is asymmetrical warfare and nothing nothing else other than that. And our greatest geopolitical competitor, China, is conducting this warfare on this country. And the left looks the other way. It's maddening. That's why you should stand up and say, absolutely not. You need us, China, more than we need you. And we've, we never – President Trump did, but we need to flex that muscle to say, correct your behavior or we will slap tariffs on your goods. You're the one with the, uh, the trade imbalance. You're the one with the trade surplus with us. It's not the other way around. And you know they have to pay essentially pay off their people and make sure their bellies are full, are full or they're – because they have no legitimacy otherwise – and we, we, but we need to recognize that and use the tools that are in our toolbox, as you if you were, because Joe Biden seems to be, you know, oblivious to the issue. He really is. And see, my my biggest fear is not even just Mexico and the Mexican cartels. It's other countries that are exploiting our weakness at the border. I'm thinking of China because when we look at fentanyl, we know that everything that is and we know it's produced in Mexico, but we know everything comes from China. We sat and watched a spy balloon go across the entire country and Biden and the White House say, oh, well, you know, wind just kind of took it. I don't know about you, but I don't study wind patterns. But I do know that the odds of wind blowing a balloon directly over nuclear missile silos is too, too close. You know, is that projecting strength or is it projecting weakness when you see something that's clearly, you know what it is. It's a spy balloon coming from China and it's over Montana. That's where you pop it. That's where you literally shoot it down. And their excuse was, well, we don't want to harm anybody on the ground. Neither do I. However, when you look at the population density in the state of Montana, it's seven people per square mile. And if you take the top seven towns out, it goes down about two and a half. Because you wouldn't shoot it over, you know, Billings. You'd wait until it's over to the countryside. It's two and a half people per square mile. That can hurt anybody. That's basically like Alaska. Shoot the damn thing down. And instead it goes all the way through, and then they pop it over the Atlantic. It should have never entered our airspace. 
And I, so when China's thinking about Taiwan, Scott, you think they're scared of Joe Biden? No, no, not at all. Congressman Pat Fallon, Republican from Texas, part of the House Armed Services Committee at Rep. Pat Fallon. Thank you so much for joining me today and keep up the great work down there in Texas. Thanks, Scott. You're a patriot, great American, and uh, appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, sir. This is the Guy Benson Show. I'm Scott Rhino. When we get back, we have a great talk again about the border. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. I am Scott Rhino from Atlanta. Extra 1063. Guy Benson will be back, I promise. He's allowing me to fill in today. I want to talk real quick before the top of the hour about why Lori Lightfoot is no longer mayor of Chicago. And it's this easy. A Chicago police police officer is mourning one of their own after an officer was killed in the line of duty Wednesday. Lori Lightfoot, this has nothing to do about the fact that you're a woman. This has nothing to do with the color of your skin. And this has nothing to do with who you decide you want to love or spend your life with. This has to do with a 61% increase in crime over the last three months. This has to do the unbelievable amount of crime that we continue to see in the city of Chicago. There is a good reason that the people of Chicago decided to only support you 17% of the way. When we get back on the Guy Benson Show, I am looking forward to talking to one of my favorite people, host of Fox Across America on Fox News Radio. Jimmy Fela will join me. Come back on the Guy Benson Show. city in the world unconventional talk from a fresh unconventional conservative guy benson show welcome back to the guy benson show on fox news radio heard all over the country and if you miss anything you can always go to the guy just guy foxnewspodcast.com and you can listen absolutely free and don't feel well actually feel good about following guy p benson at guy b uh, guy p benson and at guy benson show and you can follow me i am scott rhino from atlanta extra 1063 atlanta's only conservative news and talk station and guy was so nice to let me fill in for him today and i'd really appreciate him and all the people at The Guy Benson Show. Christine, Dan, Wyatt for making this so easy for me. I'm so excited to have my next guest on. Jimmy Fela. you've heard of him. I know you have. He's the host of Fox Across America. And Jimmy, I know you have told this story before. And you started off as a cab driver, then went on to host or fill in, just like I'm doing right now for Guy Benson. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden you get a radio show and you're all over Fox TV. I'm just hoping that I go from radio to guest host to cab driver at this point. I'm having a good time, though. So you got to give me advice on what the next step is once you get done with guest hosting for Guy Benson. Well, what do you know about low-level extortion and bribery? <laughs> I'm from New York, so I think I could pull it off. Yeah, you can definitely get around. Well, I was going to ask you this because, you know, as you told my story about radio and guest hosting and hosting and TV, and you said you'd sign up for all of that, but would you sign up for my fashion? 
Oh, you know what? I am the same with my fashion as well. You also, wait, so you also dress like a figure skater who let himself go? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I let myself go a long time ago. I I sit and I work, and I live in the North Georgia mountains, so I'm literally cutting trees down. I take an axe. I cut it. Then I get on We Fit, and yet I'm still obese, according to them. So, Oh, you have no idea. If I wasn't on Fox News, I'd be working as a before model. (laughs) <laughs> I would love to be. I love it. Oh, man. You know, and, and you do these comedy tours, and this is what I love. We're, we're trying to get you to Atlanta. We have you on over in, uh, mm-hmm. on our station here, yep. Extra 106.3. We love your show. I love the way it moves. Hey, girl. I have so much fun. And I know you're going on this tour with Kennedy, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, I know my fiance is listening. She might get upset. but oh, get out. When I was a kid. I had such a crush on Kennedy. Really? On the the K train. You see, I was, it's so funny. I was the opposite. I was in high school when she was on MTV. Yeah. And uh, I thought she was such a pain in the ass. It's really (laughs) funny. But here's a better story about that. And a shout out to your fiance, by the way. Thank you, Um, Alicia. She is fantastic. Oh, Alicia. Hey, girl. Yeah, she's a redhead. She is fantastic. Hey, can you speak slower? Uh, like you're, you're halfway into my search history with that description. Stick with me, girlfriend. We could land this plane right here on the air. Um, but what's really funny is when I met Kennedy here at Fox, I did not know she was MTV Kennedy because I was a full-time cab driver uh, at the time they brought me on to do her show as a TV guest. I was doing stand-up and I was driving a cab. And at that point, I wasn't an 84-hour-a-week, six-day-a-week cab driver, but I was still renting a cab for like a week here and there to make extra money. So on the first time I did Kennedy's show, I barreled into Fox with a cab double parked on 6th <laughs> Avenue because I had rented it for the week and uh, I was on the on the clock. The meter's running! And uh, I came and did her show and came and went without knowing it was MTV Kennedy. And like wow. I got calls the next day like, oh my God, I can't believe you hung out with Kennedy. Like everybody I know who was into like grunge in the 90s who like yeah. liked Nirvana a little too much and I was like, yep. oh, wait a minute now. And uh, But by then it was really weird. Like, we had an innocent friendship in that I didn't know she was who she was. And I'm sure she had had a lot of people given her fame that probably liked her for the fame. But I liked her for who she was, which was a weirdo with a drinking problem. Oh, you know, I'm the same. And I was work. I was in high school in 91, 92. And I got a job at WPLJ in New York. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. And I got to I got to throw out, you know, towels and stuff at the beach and all that. But the MTV Music Awards were always at Madison Square Garden. And I would literally stand out back as they were loading in, hoping just to meet Kennedy. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, well, what you should have done is hung out at the Blarney Stone on 8th <laughs> Avenue. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> Kennedy, I want to tell you this about Kennedy. It's really funny. A lot of people don't know this if you don't get to hang out with her a lot. Um, so Kennedy, oddly enough, and I do mean this, she's the most responsible drinker you'll ever meet. Like she hangs out with you for like you, you show up like in a toga. Like you think you're going to a three-day thing. <laughs> And then she makes you two of the most powerful cocktails allowable by law. And so now you're now like arguing with a parking meter, okay? <laughs> but she is like, well, I'm doing an Ironman in the morning, so I'm going to bed now. And just leaves. Like she like literally leaves. Like she'll go to oh. bed at her own party. And now you're sitting there annihilated in her living room, like <laughs> telling, telling her kids, like, you guys are my best friends. And you're smashed. 
And that's who she is. She's a great uh, cocktail maker, but she's actually like I make fun of her on the air like, oh, Kennedy gets rowdy. She actually doesn't get rowdy. That's the problem. She gets you tanked and then probably leaves in photo documents the rest of it. <laughs> it's going to always be dangerous. Let's talk about what's going on right now because comedy writing can be really tough. But being a comedian right now, when we have a president who literally shakes hands with invisible people and follows around an Easter bunny, this administration must must be a gold mine for you. But what are left-leaning comedians like Stephen Colbert, are they just missing it at this point by going too far to the left? Well, I think in terms of comedy, yes, because I don't think anyone should ever describe themselves as a left-wing comic or a right-wing comic. I know we do for obvious reasons. They're taking activist positions as left-wingers. Like, I don't consider myself a conservative comedian like at a comedy club. I'm just a comedian. Like, our obligation should be to funny, but that's where the air quote liberal comedians are failing us on the funny. Like, Biden should be universally laughed at. We should be having fun with exactly what you just described. Because in that video where he gets interrupted by the Easter Bunny. It's not the fact that the president is such an like unpredictable public communicator that they knew they had to send over the Easter Bunny to break up the conversation. <laughs> it's that if you go back and watch the video, he looks like a man who believes he met a talking bunny. Like when you see his reaction to the rabbit, he literally waves his wife over like, Jill, you have to see this. And that's where we should be concerned. Now, where it's a challenge as a comedian really quick is because Biden does so many weird things, there's no shelf life. And that's why I think the Colbert's of the world is the other reason they don't go after these jokes is because you really got to work hard. And they're lazy by design. They take the same orange man bad approach to comedy every night. But the truth is if you want to be a guy making fun of Biden, it, you, it's it legitimately hard work because, as you said, it's a gold mine. It's a fountain of material. But because there's so much of it, none of it works 48 hours from now. So you got to keep going. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So it's easy to be a comic and a political comic if you have my talent. But the other people are probably having a hard time. And I'm kidding. I'm not that arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to him. I love it. No, you got to be confident in what you're doing. Yeah, but, you know, you see somebody like Chris Rock. You see somebody like Dave Chappelle who goes out there and is just being a comedian and they get attacked right away. Jon Stewart just got attacked, and, and we heard him get attacked, and all of a sudden he's a racist, and knowing that he's a far-left guy, or well, I guess he's more towards the middle now, so they're always so afraid, because if you attack Kamala Harris, I mean, she will give you the best word salad to make fun of, mm -hmm. but if you attack her, oh, you're misogynistic and you're racist. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that that's what they do to kind of insulate her against criticism as they say you must be upset with her race or her gender uh but if you're a real comedian you know the difference between a joke and a hate crime okay you're never ever ever gonna get punched in the face and go thank god that wasn't a joke you know we know the difference speech is not violence um and so real comedians like guys you described like let's say a Chappelle. okay the reason they confidently tell jokes the way they do is they don't care what the people have to say because here's the thing nobody understood when it comes to censoring comics, when it comes to canceling comics, it was always a tyranny of the minority. 
And what I mean by that is the amount of people getting upset at jokes and wanting to ruin a stand-up show and protest and picket, never big. It's not, a, it's not a lot of people. But social media gave them the ability to make it look like a lot of people. You know, if 10,000 bots tweet fire Dave Chappelle, you're like, wow, the whole world's mad at Chappelle. <laughs> yeah. But it's really like three people on an Indian click farm and, <laughs> wo- and one gender studies major hoping to get some attention. But that's the truth. Like when you go to a comedy club, we haven't had an issue in the last five years of people getting offended at jokes. Like, it happens occasionally, but generally it doesn't happen because the truth is in the comedy club, everybody's bought two drinks and they've shaken hands on the premise that none of this is serious. It's when comedy travels to the internet that the conditions you described wind up happening because people on the internet aren't necessarily offended. They just know that they'll get currency from acting offended. So it's like an incentivized outrage where it's not that anyone emotionally cares. I mean, think of where you'd have to be as a person to care what happened at a comedy show 2,000 miles away that you weren't at last night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have big issues. So I think what Chappelle has leaned into, what Chris Rock is leaning into, is the fact that we all know this is a scam, and we finally have the numbers openly on our side, meaning no one's rooting for the outrage mob anymore. There was a time when there were, but now we realize. You know, yes, there are 5 million people that get out of bed every day looking for something to be offended by, but you know what? They're so prevalent now, scientists have a word for them. They're called losers. They are losers. Losers. One some one person that's not a loser. Jimmy Fallon joining me here, oh, host you. of Fox Across America. Oh, See how I did you. that? What a, <laughs> what a transition! It's like you have a morning show or something, <laughs> right? I do this Holy for a hell. living almost. I'm horrible at it though, too. I had to get Dan, to, you know, in full confidence. I'm going to break that wall down. I was like, Dan, you got to tell me to reset. I always forget to reset. So uh, I did it good though. There's Jimmy Fallon. Can I tell you something funny? Yes, so, please. I hope so. I've been. I know for once. It's your job. Why start now? <laughs> But talking about radio specifically, so when I host TV, which occasionally I'll fill in, like I can, you know, sneak past security, take the guest host hostage, and I'm on the side. Like Gutfeld. Yeah, yeah, we can get into that. But here's the thing. From doing as much radio as I do, when I'm on TV, five minutes into an interview, I find myself about to announce to the viewer, like, uh, you know, Kat Timph is on set if you're just joining us, you know, like you would do on the radio. But I almost did that. I was hosting Kennedy last week, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday. And last Thursday, I was so close to reintroducing Tulsi Gabbard. It wasn't even funny. And everybody was watching her and looking at her with her name on the screen. (laughs) But it's like an old radio habit. Thankfully, like when I did Gutfeld, it's different. It's a live audience and my stand up instincts kicked in and I just talked to the crowd. It was fun. Yeah, it's probably easier that way. I'm a good thing that I am not good looking enough to be on TV, so I don't ever have to worry about. Whoa, that. whoa, whoa, whoa! But don't make it about your looks because it's about your talent that's keeping oh, okay. you. I'm kidding. I love you. <laughs> you're you're right on both accounts. I'm kidding. So let's talk about Chris Rock. Uh, he's got a big special coming up, and I still don't believe that the Will Smith Oscar slap was not made up. I I, I still don't believe it. But he's going to address this. Do you believe that it was a real slap? Uh, here's the thing, man. I didn't forever. Like, I really didn't because it, it, the whole thing was, like, so perfectly orchestrated. It looked like a bit. Um, when I saw him kind of freak out at his seat afterwards when they showed us that other Australian feed, it started to look legit because he was angry. But the one thing I can't get away from is the fact that they're actors. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Is the fact that Hollywood needed to do something to spice up the Oscars to begin with. 
So I'm so down the middle on this. I really am. I'm not entire. I'm really not sure. I mean, I guess the fact that they suspended Will Smith means it was legitimate. But I think Mills, Will Smith, as I said on Gutfeld the other night, we should commend him because he got liberals to acknowledge black on black crime. <laughs> Nobody had been able to do that. Nobody had been able to do it for 50 years. So give him some credit there. And I just think next time around, if it was real, just slap anybody but Chris Rock. We like Chris Rock. He's adorable. There's a thousand celebrities. If Hollywood was like, all right, tune into the Oscars. We're going to slap one person. Rating would boom because we're all rooting for certain people to get slapped. Yeah. <laughs> I got the list I could send in. Oh, so how do you think he handles this? I mean, will it be really uh, really funny? Is he going to make a big joke out of it? I mean, Chris, obviously. Chris I Rock? Think he would. Yeah. Well, considering it's in a stand-up special, like what I would expect him to do is, you know, he, Chris Rock does this thing where I've worked with him in comedy clubs a fair amount, where he is like a very astute social commentator. So he's going to tell you some really funny jokes, but he's going to make it a point to let everyone understand what it was like to be him in that moment. He does that. Like he feels an obligation. Like if we're going to go into a topic, we're going to like really get to the heart of what this is as opposed to like here's a couple of flyover jokes and let's all move on with our lives. He's more of a deep analytical guy. So I expect something with a little emotion and a little bit of jokes. I think it's going to be great. He, he always puts on such a great special. I'm really looking forward to it. I'll watch it right away. I love some of your tweets. And there was one you did about Sam Brinton and the Southwest Airlines oh. that I just lost it. And oh. I, I'm not going to lie. I tweeted, this killed me. This is the greatest. And I was hoping that you'd reply. And unfortunately, you didn't. But Dude, I love oh, when you do this kind of thing. I, I wanted to talk to you about the Peter Pan movie real quick. Uh, <laughs> this is silly. They're trying to replace the Lost Boys with girls. And the whole point of the Lost Boys was that they'd never seen a girl. So Tinkerbell, that was like huge for them to see a real girl. Yeah, that was a big deal. Well, again, they've gone to this other place now where the story isn't as important as the agenda that they're wedging into the story. Like if you're making this for art and for Peter Pan and for the audience consuming it, you wouldn't change anything because people love Peter Pan. Proof is in the pudding. It's famous the world over. It's made a gazillion dollars. But this is about them trying to force an ideology into the film in hopes that the people will enjoy the film and adopt the ideology. It doesn't really work. And just so you know, I don't want you to get in trouble. They're now called the Lost Thems. Oh, you my can't bad. Say, yeah, we're both canceled. <laughs> we're out of here. Uh, all right. Thanks, Jimmy, so much. I hope you come to Atlanta soon. Looking forward to speaking to you again. Thanks yeah. so much for joining me. For sure. And tell that redhead I said hi. I most certainly will. This is the Guy Benson Show. When we get back, we're going to talk about Ukraine. I'm going to get a little bit more conservative with you. I am Scott Rhino from Extra 106.3. Stick with me. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Filling in for Guy Benson today, live from the Extra 106.3 studios in Atlanta. My name is Scott Rhino. You can follow me at Rhino, R-H-I-N-O-X-T-R-A-1063.com on Twitter or on Getter if you want to get there because I am a conservative. And I'm going to get a little bit more conservative now. I absolutely love Senator John Kennedy. I mean, anyone who will say something like it's actually cheaper now to buy cocaine and run everywhere than it is gas, that's somebody that you got to love. And he introduced a bill, and he had three other people sign on this bill with him, one of them an independent in Kirsten Cinema, And this bill was about accountability 
for Ukraine and the money that we are spending in Ukraine. I am not for spending money. I am for the accountability and Kirsten Cinema. I love that she jumped on for the accountability and I like it, but I want to know and I want every penny accounted for that we have given because I think Democrats kind of forget. They think there's such thing as federal money or money that's printed and it may be printed, but it's our money. It's our taxpayer money that's going to this. And instead of working on our border, they have no problem sending it to protect the sovereignty of another nation like Ukraine. Now, here's where the problem with this comes, because we're going to appoint a special inspector general and an assistant. Now, it's going to cost us another 20 million per year in this bill. And the person who they pick is going to be picked by the president. So why would I trust that the president, President Biden, is going to pick someone to be the special inspector general that we can actually trust to give us the accountability? That's the kind of thing that worries me about this, because I don't feel safe, not in this country, but yet we're going to protect another border. When we get back, we're almost halfway through the show. A special guest, Joey Jones, will join me right here on The Guy Benson Show. Stick with me. My name, Scott Rhino, Extra 106.3, The Guy Benson Show. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Can't believe we're already halfway through this. Thanks so much to Guy Benson for allowing me to fill in. Who am I? Scott Rhino, Extra 106.3 in Atlanta. My next guest. And I love to say that he's my friend. He may never confirm that, but that's okay. Joey Jones, a retired Marine, Fox News contributor, host of Fox Nation Outdoors, Patriots Playlist on Fox Nation, and host of the Fox podcast, Proud American. And Joey Jones is a hero. To me, for more than just the reason that many of you know, obviously serving our country, but also, see, Joey is a good friend of our station here in Atlanta at Extra 106.3, and he actually went to the same high school as my radio partner, Tug Cowart, in Dalton, Georgia. So I went back, Joey, and looked at old pictures of you in high school. I got to be honest, you went from geeky duckling to a Fox News swan. So you must have a gym pass where I just kind of passed that gym. But it's amazing how you look different from you did in high school. Well, I tell you what, I don't know what pictures you found, but I I need to go maybe what they call the uh, SEO or the where you look up pictures <laughs> online and, and curate which ones you can see. My my junior and senior year, I was a little bit a little bit thicker chested. I was a football player, but you are right. There are some uh, some years there where I was a skinny little kid. It must have been those freshman and sophomore years. That's right. That's yeah, right. <laughs> absolutely. Thanks so much for joining me today. I want to start with something that I ran across yesterday. We know that recruitment in the military is down, and we've all been to those sporting events or watched events where the military is honored, and they're holding a flag or they're coming out of the sky, the 82nd Airborne, and they hold the big flag at midfield. But the DOD issues a memo telling service members that they must stop displaying these giant U.S. flags at major events. What do you think the reason behind that decision is? I don't know, but I would probably fall somewhere in line with where the uh, policies we're dealing with. with um, there's nothing else to call it but woke. Yeah, I hate that word because it's very all-encompassing. It's a generic and general, and it sounds like you're complaining at this point if you call something woke. 
but really what what do you gain from stopping doing that what do you what are you leveraging there what are you what are you saying to the people in attendance say hey, uh we're going to distance a gathering of tens of thousands of americans from the feeling of patriotism it's not about the game it's not about the football game it's how often do 20 30 50 thousand americans come together and when they do why not give them a reminder of the of the unity that should be this country? I really don't understand it. When you talk about politics, it's a removal of politics, not the interjection of politics. It's the idea that, hey, with these tens of thousands of Americans together, let's talk about something that isn't partisan and political. Let's talk about our pride in each other, how much we care about each other, and overall, how much these men and women have sacrificed to keep us here. Um, I haven't read the story, so I don't know what the justification they're putting out there is. But I'll tell you, I've heard this argument for a while that uh, the you know everything from we put in, shouldn't put American flags on clothing because of the flag code to it's unpatriotic to be patriotic, and none of them really carry water with me. Yeah, it's so bizarre to me because we have a lot of young people who go to these games who, and right now when I look at what our military is, I love the people, the soldiers, the boots on the ground. But when I look at the generals and the higher levels and I see how they've been politicized, I realize that's why recruitment's down. That's why people don't want to go in. You would think that having an event at a sporting event, you might be able to recruit stronger, better soldiers through having them there at the game. You know, recruitment's down for a bunch of reasons. And we've known this was coming for more than a decade. Uh, DOD's been studying it, been seeing it. It's been a trend for a while. It's just that when we had a war going on and Congress was lobbying for more benefits for veterans actively, it was easier to kind of hold that off. But this is a cultural problem. It's not a specific policy. You can't blame the recruiting problem specifically on the wokeness within the military. you got to go back to the classrooms at fourth grade and fifth grade and senior year of high school and the narrative we've sent to our, our next generation on what serving in the military means. And, and the way it is today – you know, my son looks at me and says, why would I want to enlist in the military that would fight a war for 20 years, not care if it wanted, and send me home without legs? And what can I say to my son that would change his mind? There's not much I could say if that were his perspective. I don't know what I would say. Son, it's just as important to be a good citizen. It's just as important to teach school. It's just as important to be a fireman, a police officer, probably more so important today. We have done everything in our society to make ourselves believe that serving in the military is for them, not us, or serving in the military is just a great way to be screwed over by the government. And we've done that because that's what has we've shown. And now I feel differently. I personally am very proud of my military service. I understand the nuance of it. And ultimately, selfishly, I think I got more out of serving in the military than I gave my country, even with my legs. But I can't put that on paper, and I can ask someone else to make that same sacrifice and come out feeling the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And 8,000 soldiers, they end up losing their jobs. Officer promotions were delayed or withheld for their choice to refuse an experimental vaccine. Now they're putting in a new guideline that offer those that have been affected uh, a pathway to rejoin the military in a process that's kind of similar to if you took a break in service. Why would any of these guys want to come back or girls to the military that kind of turned their backs on them when they didn't want to take this vaccine? Well, for some of them, it was it was taking a stand. Many of them didn't want to leave to begin with and were asked to compromise their convictions and, and chose that path. I think many of them probably will come back in, one, because there's not a great place to go in an economy like this. I mean, at least it's a paycheck, right? It's a career that you know you can perform, a job that you know you're trained for. 
Um, how many of those 8,000 landed on their feet? Maybe not many. I mean, so there's a lot of reasons why life would say, hey, this is the best opportunity in front of me. But are any of them going to be coming back, you know, with a smile on their face, whistling a tune, happy to be at work? Probably not. Can you guarantee that their career won't be affected by it for the rest of the time they're in? Probably not. There's many politics, especially on the officer side, once you start getting promoted. Uh, are they offered a pass back in because Kevin McCarthy uh, basically said this is the only way you're getting NDAA passed, which means that any of the general officers or bureaucrats that were all for kicking them out to begin with are still there and still going to be in their chain of command. So there's, there's a lot of reasons why they would take that job back but not be happy about it and not be excited to do it. And that's not who you want in the military. You want people in the military that want to be there. You want people in the military that saw a standard that they weren't sure they could achieve and were excited about the opportunity to find out. And that's just not how we, that's not how we package recruiting. That's not how we sell serving in the military anymore. But there is this side of how we handle this war that, that has to be dealt with because in a lot of ways that's the second war in the row looking back at Vietnam. And it took several decades and really 9-11 to, for our military recruiting and the spirit of patriotism to bounce back from that. And, you know, as an American, I don't want that. I don't want there to take a national tragedy to get the next generation gung-ho about serving. We should be able to have a culture within our country that raises people proud of it, that want to serve it. And right now, the pop culture, at least, the, the traditional means of culture for our youngest generation is telling them that this is a horrible country, they shouldn't be proud of it, and they sure shouldn't want to serve on it. Yeah, and let's talk about that 20-year war, uh, war in Afghanistan, because the Foreign House Affairs Committee, they're kicking off a hearing into the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction releases a report that said the abrupt, uncoordinated withdrawal showed we quit the country and cut off assistance to Afghan allies. We kind of knew this, but what can we expect will come out of this hearing? Partisan politics, that's what. That's all that we should expect. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democratic, conservative or a liberal. This is partisan politics. And let me tell you why. Any of, those serv- any of those congressmen or women on that committee that have been there for more than two terms were probably voting to fund this 20-year war for a long time. And probably, probably also, through the advent of Trump, a part of talking about ending the war for a couple of years. And the partisanship of it is why service why the next generation should be very cautious about enlisting in the military until our partisan politics are cleaned up. We had a Congress that was rubber stamping a war for 20 years. The idea that this solely rests on Joe Biden's shoulders or that the idea of withdrawing solely rests on Donald Trump's shoulders, no. No, we're talking four or five presidents that have a hand in this, and it shows you both parties should be held accountable. And we as American people, ultimately the accountability comes back to us because we kept voting for those folks. I mean, I look at it like we didn't spend a 20-year war. We spent 10 two-year wars, and we let politicians sell us on whatever strategy made sense that was just enough different from the last one to get them elected. Sometimes that strategy was killing terrorists abroad. Sometimes that strategy was rebuilding the country that we invaded. Sometimes that strategy was looking into the future, and those things rotated through each other depending on the narrative that politicians needed to get reelected, and what was left from it are millions of Americans who will never be the same, tens of millions of Americans who them and their loved ones will never be the same, and now a generation of Americans who may not want any part in it in the future. 
host of Fox Nation Outdoors, Joey Jones, joining me here. One more quick thing on Ukraine. This is a very, very difficult situation for a lot of people. And there was a video clip that showed Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky saying that Americans will have to send their sons and daughters to the war in Ukraine. Now, that was taken a little bit out of context because we tend to forget about NATO nations and non-NATO nations. And he was talking about if we were to see Russia invade someone like Poland, that's a NATO nation that we'd have to send our sons and daughters. I don't believe Russia has any intent on invading a NATO country. I just don't believe that. Nothing I've seen shows me that. Um, I think that Vladimir Zelensky is doing exactly what I would do if I were in his position, which is to either win the war or probably be exiled and, and executed. But that doesn't mean our political leaders need to listen to a word he says. Our po- political leaders, one, need to listen to our men and women in our country, and two, need to understand what are the what, what is the cause and effect of this entire ordeal. In other words, if Russia conquers Ukraine as bad as that is, what does that truly mean for us? And if we spend a lot of money, a lot of treasure defending Ukraine, what does that ultimately mean for us? I don't have the education and experience to say which one is more righteous. I can tell you that Ukraine um, isn't some shiny city on a hill. It's not some amazing place that's holy. But those are innocent people who have died at the hands of Putin. And I believe that uh, we're not morally wrong by wanting to help a country out. But we're also not morally wrong for saying, but there's a limit. But there's a line. But there's a place. And you get people on TV like Senator Lindsey Graham, who would have us go to war with everybody all at once for everything. (laughs) And those people should not be making every decision. They can have a voice. That's why we have a body of Congress. But the person in charge, the president, should be resolute and able to communicate to us, the lay people, and we don't have that. And that's what scares me. More than war in Ukraine, more than war with Putin, more than war with China, what scares me the most is that we don't have a a lucid leader with a stalwart plan and an ability to communicate it to us. That's what's troublesome, and that's what Americans should be afraid of. I, I am with you 100 percent. And hopefully in 2024, we'll have somebody strong enough to really present that strength to the world again. Joey, thanks so much for joining me today. Can't wait to speak to you and see you again soon. Absolutely. Take care, brother. Joey Jones, retired Marine Fox News contributor, hero. And you got to check out Fox Nation Outdoors. It's unbelievable. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about you, uh, Ohio. I keep saying Ukraine because this is on my mind, but Ohio. And we're going to hear from some of the gov- well, we're going to hear a little bit from the governor from Ohio and what's going on there as well. This is the Guy Benson Show. I'm Scott Rhino. Stick with me. We'll be back. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, live from Atlanta. I'm Scott Rhino. I'm in the Extra 106.3 studios. I want to uh, thank Guy Benson for allowing me to take over the airwaves just for today. He will be back. No worries. I absolutely love spending time with Guy every time he's in town. He's such a great guy, and it's just so So, so cool to be able to be on this show with all of you as well. And we still got some great guests coming up. I've already been through some of the best guests that you could ever ask for. Thank you to Christine and Dan and Wyatt for setting it all up. We talked to Pat Fallon. We talked to Jimmy Fela, Joey Jones, 
and we've got Miranda Devine coming up and Governor Brian Kemp as well coming up. So I am looking forward to talking to them right now. I want to talk about what's going on in Ohio, and I think Guy did a great job talking about the lies they spread about this is Donald Trump's fault. What's going on in this train derailment is Donald Trump's fault. And the one question I would have is you had two years, two years to fix anything you wanted to do. But our secretary of transportation has shown us that he is not qualified for this job. I love the fact that Donald Trump went to East Palestine and said, hey, bottled water. Today, we get a report that the EPA says, guys, don't go in the streams. Oh, yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> like, uh, but the water's safe to drink. No worries. I would be scared. But Donald Trump showed up. Governor Mike DeWine was on Fox and Friends this morning with Brian Kilmeade. And Brian Kilmeade asked him a really important question about the president cut 14. Do you believe he should come down and see it? And are you offended he hasn't? Look, he should come. There's no doubt about it. The president needs to come. Uh, the people want to see the president. He should be there. He should be there. You would think, because on President's Day, where was he? In Ukraine. They played fake air raid sirens. They put on a traditional show. Literally, Ukraine looked like Hollywood that day. Meanwhile, in Ohio, they're telling people, and one of the photo ops I saw, I was so offended by because they had the EPA and even Governor Mike DeWine, who I wasn't happy with at that moment, in someone's home. And they took some water from the faucet and they all took a sip. See, the water's safe. Yeah, but here's the difference. You're going to leave there, brush your teeth and drink bottled water the rest of the way in your cars as you drive away. You're not there every single day, stuck, because no one's there to help you. I talked about why I'm conservative, because I believe the president has a responsibility to keep everybody in this country that is here legally safe. Yet he's in the Ukraine, and he is signing checks and giving them the money they need to keep their citizens safe while ours are suffering here. And again, just like the border and what I talked to Congressman Pat Fallon about, he doesn't want to go there because then the liberal media needs to follow him. See, Fox News is there. They're there. You know who's not? CNN and everyone else because they don't want to show what's going on there. That's very concerning to me. Extremely concerning to me. And I feel so bad for the people there. I don't care what Joy Behar says. No one deserves anything. I don't care who you vote for. I want you to be safe. I really do. All right, when we get back here on the Guy Benson Show, governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, is going to join me. And I have had a great year just sitting back and watching what Brian Kemp has done here in the state of Georgia. He defeated their biggest superstar. And I'm... I guess the pun might have been intended. I don't know. But in Stacey Abrams, he destroyed her. We're going to talk with Brian Kemp and see what he's doing and his conservative values here in Georgia on The Guy Benson Show. I'm Scott Rhino. Stick with us. We'll be back after this break.
It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. The Guy Benson Show. It is the 5 p.m. happy hour. I am looking forward to this hour. We got so much coming up. Uh, we're going to be joined here in a minute with by Georgia's governor, Brian Kemp. My governor, uh, someone I'm so proud of. I wish they would have sent me some Finnish long drink because uh, I could go for it right now. I mean, it is the happy hour. You would think that guy would have sent that down here. Or at least my station would have set me up. When guy comes down, they put all this stuff out for him. They got peanut M&Ms and water. And me, they turn the AC off. So uh, my name is Scott Rhino. I'm down in Atlanta at the Extra 106.3 Studios. I am so excited to have Governor Brian Kemp on. We get to talk to him a lot here in Atlanta. And especially through this last session uh, what he's done in the state of Georgia with the legislative session has been amazing. But what he did in the state of Georgia, going up against one of the superstars of the left in Stacey Abrams and how he handled his campaign shows why he is a leader. And, Governor, I heard Governor Ron DeSantis talking, and he was talking about some of the best governors in the country, and you were one of the first, if not the first name that he mentioned. It must be such an honor to hear and get, you know, any kind of praise from another governor like that. Hey, Scott, good to be on with you this afternoon. And yes, I just, uh, I appreciate Governor DeSantis saying that. Uh, We've all been in the battle, as you know, down here. A lot of the Southern governors uh, fighting back on what's going on at the White House, and certainly we're doing that all the way back to uh, COVID to make sure we kept our economy open. And we're just fighting for liberty and freedom and for our people and, you know, our values in our states and just giving people the opportunity to live to fight another day. So, you know, I certainly appreciate the kind words, but we are chopping hard. And I just want to let you know, I'm going to get you some pe- peanut uh, M&Ms if they don't have <laughs> I appreciate that. I would love that. Uh, you know what? I already have to thank you because as a resident here in Georgia, we got back a check for $500, just like a lot of Georgians here. And in this time, in this economy, there is nothing better than being able to save money. So getting $500 back was a gift. But you were also one of the first governors to fight this Bidenflation by suspending our gas tax here in the state. But talk about the other things that we need to continue to do to fight this inflation. Well, it's unreal. I mean, we're we're fighting 40-year high inflation. Uh, even though things are a little bit better, you still got energy prices are up. People's food prices are up. I think I saw a stat the other day. It's like 60% or 60%, 66% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And so we're trying to focus every day working with the members of the General Assembly to help Georgians fight through that inflation. We suspended the gas tax for many, many months, saving Georgia consumers and hardworking families over $1.7 billion, 30 cents a gallon uh, for fuel every time that they filled up. And we actually did that at just the right time. Uh, So we got to codify that in our legislative session this year, but there's great support to do that so we can keep funding our roads and our bridges. Uh, We did a tax rebate last year, so we had more money than we needed after we fully funded the government and our priorities. 
and we just decided instead of growing government, we're going to put that money back in Georgians' pocket and help them grow our economy and grow Georgia and live the fight another day versus disastrous policies out of the Biden administration. And we're committed to doing that again this year, Scott. We're going to send that $500 to you again as long as you've been paying your taxes and uh, put a little more money in your pocket to help you fight through the tough times that we're seeing in our in our country uh, because of bad policies in D.C. We're also oh. going to do a homeowner's property tax relief grant. for. We know people's property taxes have been going up, and this is another way we can use this one-time money of a billion dollars to reduce the property taxes for Georgians this year to, again, help them fight through inflation. See, I love it. I could buy my own peanut M&Ms and then have a little left over for some egg-laying hens as well. That way I could save money all around. Uh, People gave you a really hard time about going to Davos. And one of the things that I said here in Atlanta was, I love that Brian Kemp took the fight to them. But more than anything else, what we've done in this state, especially bringing in the new EVs and the manufacturers like Rivian and Kia, Hyundai, all the players that are making this state now the EV capital of the world. And today, the House passes a bill, House Bill 406, that will now sell electricity or allow convenience stores to sell electricity that will also go back to help the state and work on road construction and maintenance. Talk about how we're becoming an EV capital. Well, that was really my message when I went to Davos. You know, we're doing this the Georgia way. We're letting the economy work. We're letting letting the market work. We weren't enforcing or manipulating the market like they've done in Washington, D.C. I actually pointed that out on a panel I was on with a bunch of U.S. senators that You know, I told him, I said, look, y'all are pressing the market. You're creating inflation. You're not letting the market work. And it's created a lot of problems, a a run on the supply chain for rare earth minerals and other things that have driven up cost. And, you know, in Georgia, we were just letting the market work, making sure that people knew that we had a good business environment here. We had hardworking people. We put a lot of money into workforce. We had great sites. We have great freight and logistics. And it's just we're right to work state. You know, so you don't have to be part of a union-based automobile maker to build a plant and thrive in our state. And I think that was very appealing uh, to the folks like Hyundai and Rivian that are coming here and the SK Battery plant and Fryer and a lot of other people that are are coming here, not only just to do uh, electric vehicles, but also we've got air mobility companies uh, that are in our state. We've got storage batteries in our in our state. We're doing a lot of solar, letting the market work there uh, without having to bun- have a bunch of state incentives. And that's really my message was to Davos is we just need to let the market work. We don't need to tell people, hey, you can't build a gas-powered automobile anymore. We're certainly doing a lot of that. Kia is doing a tremendous job over in West Georgia with that. And we're supportive of that. They continue to grow, and we're supportive. So we're just letting the market work. And that was my message to, uh, when I went to Davos and just told them, look, we we're doing so good because we were open in the pandemic when a lot of other people criticized us for that. And people around the world know that. And so we have a great business environment here. And we were able to talk to a lot of our customers and existing companies and a lot of people that are looking to bring manufacturing to the United States. And we're encouraging them to do that in Georgia. And it was just a great place for us to market the state and to bring good paying jobs to literally all parts of our state. That's what we've seen. We've had two and a half record years in a row 
uh, over half the jobs and 75, 80 percent of the investment that's coming to our state, Scott, is going to rural parts of our state. So we're truly giving people, no matter their zip code, economic opportunity in Georgia. A lot of people were concerned with Rivian and them not being able to deliver the vehicles they said they would. We have invested a lot as taxpayers into the fact that Rivian will be okay. Yesterday, you have Rivian Day with state leaders at the Capitol. Talk about Rivian. Do you feel confident that this company will get off the ground and be a positive addition to the state of Georgia? Oh, I definitely do. And I think it's important for people to understand on Aaron Sinnips, uh, you know, the company has to earn the incentives. You know, we don't start giving the the company any tax breaks or anything else until they actually build the plant and start hiring people. That's how they get the jobs tax credit. Uh, so until they do that, you know, it's just a commitment that we've made. It's not a check that we've written. The other things that we'll do to help the plant uh, not only will help Rivian, but will also help the local community and other businesses in the future when you think about you know, transportation projects, uh, infrastructure that we'd be building out that would not only help the plant, but also help the community grow, provide workforce housing and a lot of other things. But, you know, the company uh, is doing great if you really listen to what they're doing. I mean, this was a year they knew they were going to lo- lose money because they're ramping up their production, uh, their supply chain issues, they're a growing company. But when you look, uh, Rivian actually produced more vehicles their first full year of operation than Tesla did their first full year. So there's a lot of positives out there. And I would just tell you, I drove uh, some of the vehicles yesterday. A lot of other people did, a lot of the legislators and the leadership, speaker and lieutenant governor. It's an incredible vehicle. Uh, They're going out the door every day. Consumers are buying them. They have a year's worth of demand. Uh, they're also selling their van to companies like Amazon's and seeing great results there. And so I'm very confident uh, that the company's on a good path forward. We saw yesterday Lori Lightfoot have to give her concession speech because crime in that city has been so out of control. Atlanta's got a crime problem as well. And you have worked really close with the mayor here, Andre Dickens, on making sure that we have a good task force. In fact, our attorney general, the Chris Carr, who I think is fantastic, his gang suppression unit were in the middle of two trials that have really dangerous gangs that we're working on. The crime, you're taking the fight right to the criminals in this state. And I love what you're doing. We saw it at the what they want to call Cop City. It's the Atlanta Police Training Center. We saw action. We see you fighting crime. Talk about other initiatives you're doing now to keep fighting that crime. Well, I think the good thing, Scott, to me and Georgia, and look, we have a lot of work left to do. We're still, you know, we're fighting the influx of people and gangs that are coming across the southern border because of bad policies in the Biden administration. Uh, but we're fighting that on the ground here in Georgia. Uh, we're going after human trafficking. We created the gang task force at the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. That's been in operations for over three years now, almost four. Last year, we funded and set up the gang prosecution unit in Chris Carr's office. As you mentioned, they've already done 50 indictments in less than a year. Uh, some really bad people, and so we're getting good results. But the other thing that we're doing, in the, you know, all these cities are dealing with, with crime issues just for lots of different reasons. The good thing about Georgia and the city of Atlanta right now is we're actually doing something about it, and everybody's in the fight versus us being in the fight alone like we were two years ago. So I want to 
commend the Atlanta Police Department, Chief Sherbaum. Uh, we got a great relationship with him and his team. We're working every day to go after street racers and street gangs and violent criminals. Uh, we continue to do joint operations with them, uh, making lots of arrests, locking bad people up. I can't even remember. I think we've locked up 30, maybe even over 40 people now that had out- outstanding murder warrants. And so we are going after the really bad folks and the habitual violators and the folks that we've been chasing over and over again for years. We got to continue to keep the pressure up, Scott, on the local judiciary to make sure that these folks that we're chasing every night don't continue to get out of jail. And we're addressing that with legislation uh, this year with the General Assembly uh, to say, look, we got to stop this nonsense. We can't have a revolving door for dangerous criminals. These people that are getting out have been arrested, you know, eight times or 15 times, and we continually uh, have to chase them because they're stealing cars and shooting people we just we got to put into that and uh we're doing that in our state and the the atlanta police department and the the mayor have been very supportive of that absolutely they have and residents in buckhead are a little concerned about crime and they're looking for another opportunity to vote on seceding from the city of atlanta and i know that this is a real controversial topic right now we've seen other cities kind of secede but it was a little bit different for some of the cities like milton and sandy springs and those cities to kind of secede why is buckhead city such a big topic when it comes to debt and education and how they'd handle that if they were to secede well look Scott, regardless on what happens with the legislation i'm not waiting around to start fixing the crime issue i've been working on this for two years now we're going to continue to stay and fight in the fight whether the legislation uh, passes or not and um, you know you're seeing much better results in that part of the city than you were a year ago or certainly two years ago. So we're making some headway, but we still have a lot of work to do, and we got to stay in the fight, and I'm committed to doing that. Uh, there's a lot of constitutional questions that I have with the, the legislation that's been currently written. Uh, you know, I, I haven't said whether I would sign that bill or whether I'd veto that bill. I just uh, had senators asking me these questions, and so I asked my lawyer uh, to write a memo Uh, And we very quietly gave that out to some of the members. Of course, that was leaked to the media. Uh, But we're just trying to make sure that when people vote, they're voting on something that would be constitutional and that they're getting these questions answered because there's significant bond rating issues. There's issues where where people's children would go to school, uh, whether homeowners would continue to have their homestead exemption, and a lot of other really complex issues that Uh, quite honestly, have nothing to do with the whole public safety argument of those things. And and this would be an unprecedented move. It's not like the incorporation of uh, or a a city being made out of an unincorporated area of a county. This would be a new city being created in an existing city, uh, which there's certainly a lot of legal questions about that. So all I'm saying is, When people are voting on these issues, they need to have the answers to those questions. If people disagree with what my lawyer's saying, you know, they can make their argument to the legislators, and I'll trust that process. Uh, But we feel pretty confident about what we've said, but we're also letting the process continue, and uh, we'll see where that goes today. I think they may end up voting on that uh, today. Absolutely, and we'll keep an eye on that and see how that goes. Governor Kemp joining us here on the Guy Benson Show. Governor, before I let you go, 
I read uh, an article, and Brian Robinson, who is a Republican strategist, says, now we have the chance to take center stage in politics like we have in college football. Georgia hasn't produced many national leaders other than Jimmy Carter and Newt Gingrich in the last half of the century, but now we have a guy who is special. Are we going to lose you? Are you going to be a VP pick one day? I know you're not going to answer me, but I'm going to (laughs) try. Yeah, well, yeah, well. Thanks for asking a question that I have no idea if I would be a VP pick, but that is, uh, look, I've I've just got reelected. I just got sworn in just a few weeks ago, and we're in the middle, fixing to be the last half of our legislative session, and I'm I'm committed to fulfilling the promises that I ran on. We're deep into that and getting a lot of that done uh, this legislative session. That's really where my focus in this, I've always been a firm believer. If you just do what you said you're going to do, people will be happy with you, and the Lord will take care of the rest. Governor, thank you so much for joining us. I know you got to go. I appreciate it. We'll speak to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Scott. Take care. Governor Brian Kemp, join us when we get back. We are going to talk and have a little bit of fun. we got to talk KFC and TikTok right here on The Guy Benson Show. I'm Scott Rhino. Come back. Join us. Fresh conservative talk, Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Guy is out today. My name is Scott Rhino. He's allowed me to fill in live from the studios in Atlanta, Extra 1063. We got a quick one here, but I know that, Christine, you gave up fast food for Lent, but I want to ask you this. Have you had the KFC? One of the fan favorites, the double down sandwich where they put two fried chicken breasts and in between it, bacon, cheese instead of buns. Have you had that? I have not. It sounds a little messy. But listen, if you're (laughs) telling me for work purposes, I need to go get it. I think JC might understand. Okay, look, I think there are some exceptions, and look, I go to God's Chicken, so I go to Chick-fil-A, so I think he'd forgive you for that, but I'd love to try this. It looks really good, and I'd love to know if you love it, too, and if you've tried it, let me know, at Rhino, R-H-I-N-O, extra 1063, that's X-T-R. A1063. Coming up, Miranda Devine will join us and we'll actually allow her to speak freely right here on The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. My name is Scott Rhino from Atlanta. I am doing the show live. Guy Benson was nice enough to allow me to fill in for him today. And we've had great guests after great guests throughout the afternoon. Thanks to Christine, to Dan, and to Wyatt for setting everything up. And my next guest, I'm so excited to talk to. Her name is Miranda Devine. You know her. New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor, and author of Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, the big tech and the dirty secrets the president tried to hide. She is with me today. I'm so excited to talk to you because I've been in that situation, Miranda, where I was a streamer for a long time and I lost all my monetary, all my stars from Facebook. Every time I'd mentioned something that eventually came true that they called a conspiracy theory, I finally am getting some vindication from being blocked. I know that you must love it as well now that people like uh, Elon Musk have taken over Twitter. Yes. Hi, Scott. Great to be with you. Um, Look, I I think it's just 
gratifying that the truth is seeping out and it's coming from a variety of different sources. You know, we've um, been running this story for over two years now and, uh, you know, at the beginning, um, back in October of 2020, we were censored. Uh, the rest of the media just ignored it, uh, traduced our reporters, traduced our story. Um, you know, the, the Biden campaign denied everything. And then little by little, uh, you know, other media organisations are now sort of coming on board and admitting that, yes, the laptop's real and, you know, the emails that we published uh, are authentic and are damaging to Joe Biden. And, you know, our, we have reporters now, fantastic reporter, for instance, Stephen Nelson in Washington, D.C., who's still working really hard on um, new aspects of this story, which are quite disturbing, uh, which have a direct correlation with what's going on in the White House and foreign affairs. Wow, that could be really scary. And I saw Chris Ray on with Brett Baer the other day. And one of the things he said that I was like, wait a minute, what? Is that he was saying that they are not politicized. In fact, they work for all Americans and they are going to stay independent, meaning the FBI. Do you believe anything that comes out of his mouth about being independent and working for all Americans? No. And I, I just find it so infuriating to watch Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland in the last couple of days just blindly and blithely and cavalierly and breezily pretend to be something they're not pretend that the uh, the outfits that they're in charge of are somehow above reproach and pretend that they haven't heard all the very valid criticisms about them I, you know even yesterday we saw Merrick Garland the attorney general being quizzed about stories that we know uh, the Department of Justice has behaved in completely biased and politicized ways. And, and jo um, Josh Hawley, one of the Republican senators, actually read out to him a Washington Post story um, and it, verbatim, and we could hear him, he read it out two or three times, the same sentences which said that there, there were senior people at the FBI who were opposed to the raid on Mar-a-Lago on Donald Trump's home last year and that the Department of Justice overruled them. And we know because Merrick Garland said at a previous hearing that Merrick Garland personally approved the raid on Mar-a-Lago and yet he kept on trying to dodge the question that Josh Hawley was giving him. Josh Hawley said, so you keep on saying that you are in lockstep with the FBI and you defer to their judgment on these things, like whether or not they, they send a SWAT team in to raid a Catholic father of seven who's a, you know anti-abortion protester. Uh, and, and, and yet here you are overriding the FBI when it comes to this incredibly political act of raiding a former president's home and having your agent rummaged through his wife's underwear drawer and Garland just just was so deceptive if, if uh, just do yourselves a favor if anyone hasn't seen that watch how Garland responds to that he says no you have misrepresented the Washington Post story and Josh Hawley reads it again and reads it again <laughs> and and you know it's just like right in front of your face 
it's a kind of a masterclass of how these people work. Both Ray and Garland are masters of deception and they look at you with a straight face and they gaslight you and tell you that what you see with your eyes and hear with your ears and know to be true is not true, that you are mistaken. Yeah, we actually have the cut and I want to play it for you so we can all hear it. Cut 19 right here. Washington Post reports this morning, showdown before the raid, that senior FBI officials who would be in charge of leading the search resisted doing so as too combative and proposed instead to seek Trump's permission to search his property. These field agents wanted to shutter the criminal investigation altogether in early June, the Post reports, but they were overruled by Maine DOJ. So I guess in light of your earlier testimony just this morning, my question is, how often do you overrule FBI field agents for political purposes? Again, I have to say I'm not able to uh, uh, describe the investigation. I will say as a general matter and at a high level of, uh, of generality that in my experience, long experience as a prosecutor, there is often a robust discussion and in the end, and it's encouraged among investigators and prosecutors. Yeah, I mean, there it is right there. And then, you know, one of the other things that they talked about, too, was when they were talking about a stand up for life and Merrick Garland and there was a anti-abortion uh, activists and he was actually acquitted of all charges. And then the DOJ is saying, no, we're going to keep going with that. So it just continues to prove that it's been weaponized, these law enforcement agencies against the American people. Yes, and, uh, you know, it's so obvious, and the American people can see this, and it really is corrosive to public trust in our institutions, uh, and we do need the Department of Justice, obviously, uh, but when you've lost the trust, and the FBI has, has is basically not trusted by, um, polls show, over half of the American public, and so uh, it, that's a real problem, because when people don't trust the FBI, they don't trust the Department of Justice, then they stop cooperating, they stop giving them information, which they need public information. Uh, and, and we have an even more lawless society than we have. It's just galling. At a, it, at a time when we have rising, skyrocketing crime in, you know, particularly um, our Democrat-run cities, that the FBI, and, and we have a, a border that's been overrun with more than 5 million illegal aliens and floods of fentanyl coming through that are killing people, um, that the FBI and the DOJ is focused on other things. You know, the biggest FBI investigation is January 6th. As bad as that was, it's not the worst thing that has ever happened. It's not the most pressing, urgent criminal matter around. Uh, They don't seem to have been very exercised at all about the border and about the fentanyl problem, uh, about the the terrorists and rapists and murderers that have flooded in uh, illegally. Um, In fact, Merrick Garland yesterday was only really passionate and um, kind of lively when he was asked, you know, another puff question by the Democrats. And it is very sad to see them all do that. Um, He was asked this question about 
um, Ukraine and about whether or not, um, you know, the the, uh, the Russian uh, sort of militant group, the Wagner group, um, should be sanctioned and declared a terrorist organisation. He was very excited about that, wanted to talk at great length about how he's been to Ukraine, he's met all their prosecutors and how they've got a task force in there and they're teaching them things. You know, that's fine. But what about a bit of passion about the problems that are besetting American society today and his DOJ and his FBI are blind to them because they are so focused on attacking and persecuting conservatives and Christians and Catholics? Absolutely. And look, I, I read uh, an article the other day and, and well, it was your article and you were talking about chat GPT and you asked them to describe your book. And this is something the laptop from hell. Uh, the, it's apparently not a book title that's recognized as a commonly used title for any published work. Even chat GPT is politicized against us at this point. A hundred percent. I think this is, I'm, I'm, I have another column coming up, but I think this is one of the most toxic developments in big tech uh, ever, actually. Potentially, I mean, this is artificial intelligence, supposedly, and yet this is like Google, like Wikipedia on steroids. It is completely <laughs> biased It, it against you know, conservatives, very pro, it's almost as if it's like Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff uh, mixed together. That is what you get from ChatGPT. It is so malevolent. And, you know, when Isaac Asimov, I was a great Isaac Asimov fan uh, in my youth. He's a great science fiction writer. And he wrote, he was very prescient, and he wrote, the three laws of robotics. And they were specifically like, you do no harm to a human, etc. never tell a lie. These sorts of things are really important. They're crucial. Uh, it's very dangerous. Elon Musk said this. It is very dangerous to teach AI, artificial intelligence, to lie to us. And that is what chat GPT is. And people need to be warned. They really need to get up in arms about this. Uh, it makes all the other gaslighting and dishonesty and bias and unequal treatment that we've been talking about pale into insignificance. This will change everything. It'll change the way people um, think. It'll change yeah. uh, the, uh, the information that we have access to. It's scary, Miranda. Thank you so much. It was such an honor to talk to you. I hope you be able to come on with us here in Atlanta as well. Everybody would love to hear from you. She is the New York Post columnist, the one that you should read, Miranda Devine, also a Fox News contributor and author of Laptop from Hell. Thanks so much, Miranda. Thank you, Scott. Great to be with you. She is amazing, and I can't wait to talk to her again. All right, the happy hour continues, and the home stretch is up next on The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. It's the 5 p.m. happy hour brought to you by Finish Long Drink. I wish I had one right now. Uh, it's time to party a little bit here in the home stretch. And I'm excited to talk to all of you. And Christine, Dan, Wyatt, you need to jump in with me here. I want to see, I am uh, now what I call myself a new sou a son of the South. And now that I explain that I live in the Appalachian Mountains, one of the things that I have a huge problem with 
is bears. And I don't know if you guys have ever come across a bear, but they look so cute. And you always want to go up and like, yeah, I could hug that bear cub or I could hug that bear. But then you realize, okay, I've seen some movies where bears just rip you apart and you realize how dangerous they can be. Christine, I, I heard that you may have a good idea about how to deal with a bear that you actually came up with a plan that you told your husband. So I know you know the tri-state area very well, and mm-hmm. a lot of people during the summer, we head to the Poconos for some sort of vacation. Not my idea of a vacation, but we went <laughs> camping there, and as we drove into the camp spot, there was a bear. And Ooh. I lost my mind, like had a complete epic meltdown. I mean, <laughs> nobody listening to the show is surprised by that. <laughs> right. I like to think I'm calm, cool, and collected, but nobody How much else wine does. did you have at that point? Uh, it was morning, so not not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> but um, I started to do some research about encounters with bears because I never wanted to be that scared again. And I think I found the best way. My husband doesn't think this is good, but what you do is you raise your arms and, like, you kind of make them into an O. Okay. And then you hold them up and you just talk to the bear. So you s- <laughs> no. Why are you laughing? Dan. It doesn't sound right at you, all. Well, hold on. You want me to- Dan. Okay, hold Dan, on. Dan, Wyatt, is that the right way to do that, you think? I don't think so. I've heard to make yourself look big, but, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. right. It seems like you would still be attacked. Hold on. Okay. Scott, you're going to pretend you're a bear right now, okay? Okay, yeah. Okay. So now I put my arms up and I look right at you as I'm backing away and I okay. say, hello, bear. I'm your friend. My name is Christine. <laughs> That's not going to work. Yeah, and they. I read it online. This no where, where? Go- as Don Lamont says, Google it. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know if bears speak English, but I could be wrong. I don't think they do. <laughs> I don't think they do as well. I, I'm sure. Dan, have you come across a bear before? Has it ever uh, come? Uh, you know, just scared the heck out of you? So I'm from New Haven, Connecticut. And we have a mix of like residential areas that goes into woods really quickly. So we have had some bears cross into like the more suburban area in New Haven. Um, but we, I'm a biker, so we have like a long bike path, bicycle, not motorcycle. Um, so we have this long bike path that goes through the woods, and I've seen bears on the side pretty far away. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do if this bear starts running <laughs> after me on my bicycle? Because there's no way I can outride a bear no, running No, you don't me. need to. You get <laughs> off the bicycle. <laughs> no, I you stop. get off the bike. You get you off crazy? and you just yeah, talk, put your hands intru- out. introduce yourself. <laughs> Talk to them and back away. Hello. Hi. My name I'm is Dan. <laughs> Please don't eat me or kill me. I really like my life. See? That sounds like a horrible, horrible idea. Christine, listen. Okay, so the National Park Service, they told uh, everybody in America today that the one way to handle this is not to push a slower friend down. I got to be honest, Christine. I think Guy might push you down while you had your hands above your head. Um, I, I, you can think it. I know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Dan, would you be the hero or would you just let her stand there with her hands in the air I, and I would, keep running? I would have to grab her arm and be like, come on, let's go. Stop ta- trying to talk the bear and maybe book the bear for the show. That's what Put down the box of wine, Christine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you have a better shot giving the bear a box of wine. <laughs> Uh, you know, see, I live among these bears, and we have a bear. So, I, uh, my, my fiance loves birds. We have, and it's it's a really bad situation at my house where I have three hundred. I swear, 
300 bird feeders and they're hung all over and we hang them on the back barn and I have to get a ladder to put them up so because the bears were stealing the bird feeders they literally would carry them like Chinese takeout and walk into the woods with my bird feeders so I would have to put them up on the ladders but then they figured out how to climb the ladders I, I, I mean, I don't understand. You you say this so, like, brazenly. Like, yeah, we have bears everywhere. They're climbing the ladders. Like, aren't you terrified? I Well, you know, at first I was. But then I realized because we called the DNR and we said, look, we have these two bears and they keep stealing our bird feeders. We're kind of scared. Our dog is freaking out. I don't want him to hurt anybody. So what do we do? I said, can you take them? And they said, yeah, we can take them. But here's the problem. If you move them up to 100 miles away, they'll come back. So I was like, all right, what's the point at this point? Um, have you tried to do what I suggested? Is that what you <laughs> No. Why now don't my- you go out there the next time they are climbing up your ladder and say, hello, bear. My fiance, no, this is not going to work. My fiance, though, she did scare the bear off. She came out one day, and I was live streaming my cameras, and she came out in a robe with her hair up in the towel and a pot and pan and banged it, and the bear ran away. So that might be the answer. Wow, she's tough. (laughs) She is. She's way tougher than I am. Guys, I want to thank you, Christine, Dan, Wyatt, everybody at the Guy Benson Show, and, of course, Guy Benson. My name is Scott Rhino. I hope we had a good time today. I look forward to doing it again with all of you. Thank you all so much. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.